What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 232 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are delving into our wide receiver rankings. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been going position by position. You can find our thoughts on quarterback in this podcast feed, on running back in this podcast feed. And today we go on part one of our part three journey through wide receivers. Let's start off with some fireworks at the top where we have both officially moved Justin Jefferson to number one. We are on JJ wide receiver one overall season and all the stars are aligning for the Minnesota star. Justin Jefferson, I think, is just going to have a monster season in 2022. He gets an upgrade in coaching. Kevin O'Connell, who was the former Rams coordinator of last year, and we all know what Cooper Cup did last year and the specific quotes around how Kevin O'Connell is going to use Justin Justin Jefferson is pretty much essentially that they are going to build the passing offense around him and he is going to put him in that Cooper Cup role and I think that we can expect the Vikings to be a little bit more pass heavy this year. They were 18th in pass rate in 2021. So if we see that jump up to, let's say, top 10 or top 8, obviously that's more targets to go around for the Vikings skill position players. And I think all it comes down to is Justin Jefferson is just one of the most dominant players in the league, right? Coming out of his second season in the NFL, 167 targets, 108 catches, 1,600 yards, 10 touchdowns, 75% whopper, which was first in the NFL. The man is just good. It's it's that simple. Great. He's just good. He was number one in air yards in the NFL. He was number one in deep targets. He was number eight in red zone targets, but he was number 25 in catchable target rate. So if Kirk Cousins can improve a little bit in this new system, like you said, the stars are just aligning for Justin Jefferson to absolutely smash this season. So I think he is the correct wide receiver one overall this year. I agree. And I mean, it just comes down to, you know, a player who's betting on themselves. He even said in a quote earlier this week that he believes he will be widely considered the wide receiver one in the NFL after this coming year. And it's just nice to see a player with some confidence. Been a lot of quotes out there lately of guys who just don't have confidence in themselves. And how can we have confidence in them if they don't have confidence in themselves? He believes and he's going to capitalize on this opportunity. And like you mentioned, 167 targets he already has the volume we don't need to project a giant role change for him he just needs to catch more of them you know 59 missed catches out of those 167 targets he gets 20 more of those and he's got 1800 yards and 12 13 touchdowns he's probably the wide receiver one with that kind of production no for sure and obviously that's not to say cooper cup isn't a great pick this year because he is and obviously he's both of our wide receiver twos but I just think that Cooper Cup is just one of the major regression candidates his 2021 was probably a complete outlier like if we're just looking in the grand scheme of things he's a 28 29 year old big slot receiver who was pretty solid throughout his first four years five years in the in the NFL and then he just has a you know record-breaking season obviously Matt Stafford helps a ton and Matt Stafford is a team elevator he's a talent elevator at the position for sure but I don't think we can expect 
Cooper Cup to go for 1,900 yards and 16 touchdowns again, especially with Cam Akers going to be healthy from week one. That takes some opportunity away. They went out and signed Allen Robinson, who I personally believe is the best wide receiver, too, that they will have had in the last few years on the Rams. I think Cooper Cup is still a great pick, and him and Stafford have a great connection. I just think Justin Jefferson's ceiling and talent is higher than Cooper Cup's for this year. But if you have Cooper Cup ranked as your wide receiver one, no, nobody will blame you. Like that That's the consensus. No cup, no cash was a motto to live by in, in DFS last year, but it, it just screams regression. Everything that you said about this situation, it, it would be so hard for him to replicate those stats and he could have a great season without doing so. I mean, I think that he's likely to be top five again. Nothing has really changed in the situation besides, you know, the upgrade at wide receiver two to Allen Robinson. But I mean, there's more than enough room for Cooper Cup to command 10 plus targets per week once again. And Stafford has historically locked on to his wide receiver one. We saw it all the time in the Calvin Johnson days. And I think that he will find that same reliability in Cup. If there is one player likely, or even maybe not likely, but that has the potential to shock the league this year and finish above these two guys, I think it's Jamar Chase. I could see Chase having that Justin Jefferson-like rise where Jefferson you know, his targets just went up incredibly from year one to year two. That's sort of the issue with Chase where he was at 128, which is good, but it's just not the volume needed to be the true wide receiver one. He had good touchdown production, 13 touchdowns, 1,455 yards as a rookie, which is incredible. We know the talents there. He's attached to a great quarterback. It, It really just will become a matter of whether or not the Bengals pass the ball more, I think, in 2022. I have Jamar Chase at three, as you do as well. Do you think that Chase has it in him to elevate and put up a record-breaking season this year? Yeah, I definitely think it's well within the range. And I think that he's going number three just because his ceiling is extremely high, right? We, we've seen him in his rookie season put up a 50 ball, and that's just the type of player he is, a generational talent. We were all over it last offseason, especially me. You know, I was drafting them in every single draft, and it worked out. But like you said, the question is the volume and will the Bengals pass the ball more? Cincinnati was 13th in pass play percentage last year. They they were top half in the NFL, but it just felt like at times they just went super run-heavy with Joe Mixon, and Joe Mixon was top three in touches out of all running backs in the league. So we just need some of that to go down. But I also think we can attribute that to being Joe Burrow's first year removed off that torn ACL, and maybe they just wanted to get his legs under him, you know, get him back in the rhythm of things, especially early in the season. And then, you know, to end the season, Cincinnati was operating at like a 65% passing clip, which was fifth in the NFL. So if we see the Bengals go from 59% to 64, 65%, I think that's going to open up the floodgates for Jamar Chase and T Higgins. And I think that Zach Taylor is, you know, kind of a sharp coach. And I think he'll realize that his best plays will involve getting Jamar Chase and T Higgins the ball through the air rather than, you know, running Joe Mixon into the back of the O-line. Totally agree. And I mean, you know, I think for the vast, vast majority of NFL wide receivers, a, a season where you put up 81 catches for 1,400 yards and 13 touchdowns is like the best season they're ever going to have. And he did that as a stone cold rookie. So the ceiling is untapped even still for Jamar Chase. I'm excited to see what
what he does in year two. Wide receiver four, Stefan Diggs for both of us. And he's kind of in this weird range where he's going a couple picks after these guys, but I don't think it's outside of, you know, the realm of possibility that Stefan Diggs finishes as the wide receiver one overall in this Josh Allen led Bills offense. We know that the pass rate is going to be there. All it takes is just a couple of monster games on Diggs part, which we know is in his range. And I think that Diggs could be potentially a league winner in round one. He seems sort of like the X factor, like that guy, you know, sometimes he goes as wide receiver four in drafts. Sometimes he's wide receiver five behind Adams, but wide receiver one is absolutely in his range. Diggs, that's definitely definitely well within his range obviously didn't have a disappointing 2021 but it wasn't what everybody expected you know he had a lot of games where he was only scoring 14 to 15 points and just felt like there was a a lot left to be desired with his 2021 he only had one game the entire year where he went over 25 PPR points just in regular scoring only two games with over 100 yards but he was fifth in the NFL in targets, right? He had a 65% whopper higher than Jamar Chase. Diggs just has the volume. He has the role. Just need more consistency this season. And I, th- I think that he's a very good pick. And he's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And he's attached to a top two, top three quarterback in, in the league. So Diggs is always a good pick. And I think you could make the case that he could be above Jamar Chase. But as of right now, I have him as my wide receiver for it, as do you. So, Yep, I absolutely love taking shots on Diggs. I think that he could easily regress in a positive way after finishing with about 300 less yards than he had in 2020 on only two less targets. He just didn't. He, he just wasn't as consistent, you know. That's really was, what it comes down to. He was number two in air yards behind Justin Jefferson last year and only finished with 1,200 yards, and Justin Jefferson finished with 1,600. Mm. So, like I said, there there was just a lot left on the bone there in, in terms of potential yards and, and fantasy points with Stephon Diggs. So if that regresses positively, I think we could see Diggs have another great season, you know, 2020-esque. Absolutely agree with that. Let's get to a hot take coming from eh, your rankings. It's not hot. It's I think it's hot. hot. I think it's, it's hot. hot. I mean, you've got the the player that Justin Jefferson called the best wide receiver in the league outside your top five for a player who, you know, has the, the raw talent, hasn't proved it. C.D. Lamb as your wide receiver five. You don't think that's a hot take? I don't think that's a hot take uh, for this year. Tell us why. Well, obviously, Devonta Adams is, is a great player. And I actually, I actually drafted Devonta Adams in the last draft that we did. But I, I think that the target opportunity... For C.D. Lamb is just going to be off the charts. You lose Amari Cooper. I think that's a that's a big loss for the Cowboys passing game. And it's a great loss for C.D. Lamb shares, right? Amari Cooper, 103 targets last year, had an 18% target share. C.D. Lamb was at 20%. You know, you're, you're, you're losing that on offense. Michael Gallup, torn ACL. And we know historically receivers struggle coming off torn ACLs the next season. So even if Michael Gallup comes back in week four, week five, or week six, or whenever the fuck he comes back, there's still a good chance that he could struggle in those first couple games of him being back. So other than that, who do they have? 
They have James Washington, a career scrub. They have Jalen Tolbert, who, you know, I was high on pre-draft. Good landing spot for him. I, I think he's fine, whatever. He led, like, his conference in receiving yards. I think he's a solid talent. But other than that, who do they have? Schultz. Who's going to compete for targets on that team? Oh, Dalton Schultz. Uh, we're, we're scared of Dalton Schultz now? <laughs> no. Okay. We're, we're not scared of Dalton Schultz. Dallas was the best offense in the NFL last year. They were the highest scoring offense in the NFL last year at 31 points per game. They were 11th in pass rate. Zeke, trash. Who are they going to give the ball to? CeeDee Lamb and Tony Pollard. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. So for for those reasons, give me CeeDee Lamb this year. I just think that the target opportunity and the offensive environment is going to be off the charts, and I just think that it's better than Las Vegas. I think Devontae Adams downgrading from Aaron Rodgers, who was uh, PFF's second-ranked quarterback last year, to Derek Carr, who was uh, PFF's 16th-ranked quarterback last year, I think that's going to be a huge factor. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more on the Devontae Adams front. Adams has just been consistently incredible for the past couple of years he's finished as wide receiver five or better in every year since 2018 but the downgrade from from Rodgers to Carr I don't think can be understated enough obviously they do still have some chemistry together you know apparently a big factor was Adams and Carr's chemistry and and why they acquired Adams but I I just think the touchdowns are going to come down with Adams that's really what it comes down to and for Lamb Going back to him real quick, I think that's what needs to increase. You know, he has 11 career touchdowns over his first two seasons. That's, you know, 11 touchdowns in 32 games. That's a pretty low rate for a player with as much raw talent as CeeDee Lamb has. So if Lamb can, you know, get the ball in the end zone a few more times, I think he absolutely has the potential to elevate to top five. And conversely, I do believe the touchdowns for Adams will be coming down this season. Yeah, I mean, Adams just has higher quality competition for targets. Mm Mm-hmm more so than he's ever had ever since, you know, he elevated to the top of the league at the wide receiver position. And, you know, you have a downgrading quarterback. You know, I referenced PFF rankings, which, you know, they have their own scale and and what they do. Like Derek Carr was ranked behind quarterbacks like Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan Tannehill, Mac Jones for last year. Right. Obviously, he's probably better than that, but I think the downgrade is pretty massive going from Rodgers to Derek Carr. Also, have to factor in, you know, Darren Waller, top-tier tight end, Hunter Renfro, a bunch of running backs that should see opportunity. I think that Devontae Adams is obviously still a good pick just because he is a very great player, but I personally think CeeDee Lamb's third-year breakout will be in, in full effect this year as the number one option on one of the best offenses in the NFL with a better quarterback in Dak Prescott over Derek Carr. That is all very fair to me. Wide receiver seven, we both have Mike Evans going there, and honestly, I don't know what needs to be said. Mike Evans is just Mr. Consistent. This dude's put up eight straight 1,000-yard seasons, and I would be absolutely stunned if we weren't getting ready to witness number nine. I mean, not much. (laughs) Not much you need to say about Mike Evans. He's consistently going to give you, you know, a thousand plus yards and and probably like 10 plus touchdowns every single year. And then you factor in Chris Godwin, you know, being out towards ACL, Leonard Fournette is like fat now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, who knows what's going to go on with that. Mike Evans is the guy on the offense, in my opinion. Him and Brady have shown that they have a very solid connection. So you literally cannot go wrong with Mike Evans. At number eight, this is where I'm, I'm getting hot right here. I've got Mike Williams 
as my wide receiver eight, that is pretty goddamn high compared to his consensus ranking of wide receiver 13, which has risen. I mean, a couple months ago, Mike Evans was a fourth round pick. Now he's consistently going around the two, three turn. Talked about it a couple times throughout the offseason. For me, I just think that it is time. Everything is sort of aligned perfectly for him to take the leap, become the wide receiver one over Keenan Allen in this offense. I still think Keenan is going to be a consistent factor, but Mike Will has the type of ceiling that I don't think that Keenan possesses. Justin Herbert is on the precipice of leaping into the Patrick Mahomes tier of just wild, raw talent, league-winning talent, could take the Chargers to the Super Bowl this year. Mike Williams saw a massive spike in his usage last year after having a previous career-high target number of 90. He was up to 129 last year, had nine touchdowns, 1,100 yards. It was a breakout year for him. He got rewarded with $60 million guaranteed, three-year contract, age 27. I think everything is just set up for Mike Williams to have that sort of monster elevated year from his previous expectations the same way that Cooper Cup did we saw it a year before Cooper Cup happened right where he started the first half of the year as an elite wide receiver and it dropped off in the second half that's what we saw last year when Mike Williams was the wide receiver three in points per game over the first six games right there putting up you know similar points per games to guys like Adams and Debo Samuel who had monster years he just needs to be a little bit more consistent and I think that you know the coaching staff Staley he's a sharp coach they're gonna go back look at Mike Williams what he was doing at the beginning of the year and try and figure out how to consistently give him that production for the entirety of the season so I'm I'm all in on the Mike Will breakout I could see him being a first round pick next year am I too bullish on him I mean I don't hate it I think that having him above Tyree Kill and Debo is probably bad but there, there's definitely ways that both of those guys regress pretty heavily in 2022 and it's really, you know, like you said about the first half of Mike Williams last year, it's just all about the role on the offense, right? He had that very fantasy-friendly, you know, big slot kind of role that Cooper Cup had early last year. Four out of his first five games, he had nine-plus targets, right? He had multiple games where he had 10, 12, 16 targets early in the season. Then they decided to uh, put him back in the role that he previously played throughout his career, and he didn't go over 10 targets again until week 18. And he was consistently at five to seven targets per game from week eight on. So it's going to just be hard for him to get there if he plays in that same role but the offensive environment is obviously one of the best in the NFL the Chargers were fifth in pass rate last year Justin Herbert per Vegas odds is the favorite to lead the NFL in passing yards and passing touchdowns so I think that you just want any players attached to him and Mike Williams obviously showed that last year he does have you know league winning upside when put in that favorable role in that offense it's just going to be hard to know off rip or right now I should say that will he have that role that's really my question and you believe that he will and if he does he's probably going to smash his ADP. He finished as a wide receiver 12 last year, even in that uh, quote-unquote bad role, and he's going as what the wide receiver 13 right now on underdog. I think if he's in that more favorable role, especially with Keenan Allen kind of declining uh, recently and he's getting up there, Mike Williams has the potential to be you know a top seven, top six wide receiver when it's all said and done. I think there are also paths to him just breaking in a in more favorable 
scenarios for more touchdowns. You know, he had 16 end zone targets last year that was converted to only five touchdowns. You know, he left some meat on the bones out there. So if he gets a roll increase and some more positive touchdown variants, God, sky is the absolute yeah. limit for Mike Williams. Yeah, I mean, he was he was number eight in red zone targets, number 12 in deep targets. Not that, not that many uh, touchdowns. He had nine, nine touchdowns. Um, so if he gets a couple more, he's he's probably going to to smash this year. Next up, we've got this combination of wide receivers that I would classify as absolutely elite, but the situations are so different from last year, which is, I think, what is pushing them down the rankings. Tyreek Hill and Debo Samuel, two guys that would be in a lot of top fives if we're talking raw talent, but you know, Tyreek Hill obviously gets the downgrade from Patrick Mahomes to Tua, and Debo is in a sort of unknown situation where he still really hasn't been around 49ers camp. That much and Jimmy G will no longer be starting. They have Trey Lance, who could be anywhere from elite to dog water. We have no idea what's going to happen in that situation. How are you looking at Tyreek and Debo this year as guys that we know can do it from a talent perspective and they've done it in the past from a production standpoint, but we just don't know about these situations? Yeah, obviously, I'm, I'm still taking shots on them in drafts for sure. And I have it ranked as Tyreek Hill 8 and Debo 9. So I think I would be a little bit higher on Tyreek Hill. It's just tough. We just don't know how these situations are going to play out. Like Debo has came out and expressed that he doesn't want to play that, you know, wide running back role that they kind of termed for him last year. Like he he's came out and literally been against that, which is I mean, can we not understate how big of a problem that could be for him? I mean, this man had more rushing touchdowns than receiving touchdowns last year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And him and, and Cooper Cup, I think, are the two wide receivers due for the biggest regression mm-hmm. in 2022. So just for that reason, I am a little bit lower on Debo. Obviously, he could still get there as, as a pure wide receiver. Like his his ceiling is enormous. Week one of last year against Detroit, he put up 189 yards on nine catches. Then week four, he put up 156 yards on eight catches and, and two touchdowns. So he still has an elite ceiling through the air. He's one of the best yak guys in the league but the rushing last year was just so huge and that's what made him like one of if not the best fantasy wide receiver last year and if they change his role and they don't have him do that anymore I don't think he's that great of a pick like he was 41st in in routes ran last year out of the entire NFL and I think just a lot of his opportunity came from those (laughs) <laughs> from that rushing production. And if, if we don't get that, I think it's going to be a tough scene for Debo. And then in terms of Tyreek Hill, it's just how much can we factor in the downgrade from Patrick Mahomes to Tua? I know Tyreek Hill, he goes on these podcasts, he goes on his YouTube channel or whatever the fuck, and he claims that Tua's more accurate, blah, blah, all this mm-hmm. bullshit. We know it's not true. We just know. We know. Hang on. Let's, let's slow our rolls here. How do we know? I've never caught a ball from Patrick Mahomes. I've never caught a ball from from Tua, have you? I can't say that I have. He has. So who are, who are we? Just a couple of bums sitting here talking on a podcast. We're going to tell him that he's wrong? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Tua is better uh, as a passer than Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Anybody with a with two fucking eyeballs can see <laughs> that's just not true. So Tyreek Hill's just off his rocker when it comes to that. 
And I just don't know how much I'm willing to factor that in. I think that you you definitely have to, but I don't know how much it is going to affect him. Obviously, still a great talent, still has arguably the highest ceiling at the position when it comes to fantasy football. But will he be able to realize that ceiling with Tua, with you know, Jalen Waddle there with Mike Jasicki there. They signed Cedric Wilson. So you got some competition for targets. Chase Edmonds, good pass catching running back. I think so. He has more competition than he ever had in Kansas City, in my opinion, at least. And a major quarterback downgrade and a major scheme downgrade and a major coaching downgrade. Mm-hmm. What's the bull case for Tyreek Hill here? I think the the bull case for Tyreek Hill is just that he is the best deep threat wide receiver in the league and that what he does from an athletic standpoint can't be covered regardless of of anything. That's sort of the bull case and that's not usually the type of case that I would particularly make, but you could you could definitely say that all of those things that are negative about the Tyreek Hill transition to Miami are baked into his price as he is going now you know, as the what wide receiver nine on underdog. I mean, if he remains in KC, he's probably right there in that Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase tier and the top of the first round. So I think that it is baked in to his price. And I definitely also think that there are scenarios where the guys that are, you know, suffering from all of this target competition is is everybody not named Tyreek Hill. I, I think that, you know, Jalen Waddle probably suffer, suffers. I think Gasicki suffers. Cedric Wilson could be a non-factor. Um, I, I don't know. I think Tyreek Hill is going to get his regardless. That's just not something I'm worried about. But I have him ranked at wide receiver nine. That's what his ADP is. So I'm in line with the market. I, I want to buy him. I'm skeptical for all the reasons that you said, but I just don't want to fade a player with the type of talent that Tyreek has. Yeah, definitely not in best ball, right? Like he'll he'll still probably have games where he goes for 40 plus for sure. Yeah. Like he could take that that five yard slant route or that that 10 yard in route to the house for 70. Doesn't matter who throws the ball to him, you know? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter at all. But I definitely think that the floor could be very shaky. And I Mm -hmm. think we could see a lot of games where he does have like 10, 11 points. And I just don't necessarily believe we're going to get a lot of those ceiling games with Tua throwing him the ball and with all of the players that they have on that offense. And then who knows how Mike McDaniels is going to run this offense just from a philosophy standpoint like is he going to go the Kyle Shanahan route and kind of protect Tua because maybe he believes he's not that good kind of like how they did with Jimmy G or will they let Tua air it out and put the game or the games in the hands of Tua and let him go out there and win it and get the ball to his playmakers remains to be seen Remains to be seen. Um, another player that I, I personally think sort of fits into this category where we know the talent is there, but it's a new situation is is A.J. Brown. You know, he, he goes to Philly here instantly as the wide receiver one in this offense attached to Jalen Hurts. We still have questions around what Jalen Hurts can do as a passer. I think that there's a scenario where he takes a major step forward this year with the addition of A.J. Brown. That's been a theme around the league the past couple of years where, you know, the teams are recognizing that they're struggling quarterback needs a truly elite 
weapon to help elevate them. And and maybe that's what the Eagles did here with AJ Brown. AJ Brown, you know, came into the league and had 20.2 yards per reception, which we all knew was going to come down in his second year. And it did. But what I thought was a little interesting is that it continued to come down to 13.8 last year, the worst mark of his career. He struggled with consistency. AJ Brown, like you were alluding to with Tyreek as a player who I'm totally confident in in best ball. I think that we're absolutely going to get the monster games. That's not even a question for me, but I do wonder what the floor is in this Philadelphia offense. And I think that you might even be a little lower than I am. I have AJ Brown at 11 and you've got him at, at 13. Yeah, I think that if there's a wide receiver that is going in the top 12 right now to not finish as a wide receiver one this year in terms of underdog ADP, it's AJ Brown. Mm. Philadelphia was last in pass rate at 50%. And obviously, I think we can expect that to go up. But there's also the outcome where Jalen Hurts doesn't improve as a passer, right? What if he doesn't take that step forward? And he didn't take a step forward last year, which is why they kind of changed philosophies and went run heavy. And then they ended up going 7-4. They made the playoffs, you know, just running the ball, let Jalen Hurts do his thing on the ground too. Obviously, adding A.J. Brown helps a ton. And they have a solid core of pass catchers with Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, you know, Quez Watkins, Zach Pascal, Dallas Goddard, and then the running backs out of the backfield. But I think the floor could be extremely low with A.J. Brown. I think the quarterback play could be extremely bad at times, and I think he's kind of in a very similar situation to what he was in Tennessee. He's going to be on a team that wants to run the ball first with subpar quarterback play, but with more competition for touches. Obviously, talent-wise, he's phenomenal. But in terms of situation, it was a very lateral move, in my opinion at least. The ceiling games are going to be there, but I think the games that we saw last year where he scored seven points against Seattle, six points against Jacksonville, nine points against the Rams, three against the Saints, nine against the Texans, six against the Dolphins, those games are definitely 100% going to happen in 2022, and I think you're going to have a lot of those games. And so for that reason, I haven't been drafting any A.J. Brown. And like I said, there's one wide receiver that will not finish as a wide receiver one that's getting drafted as one. It is 100% A.J. Brown. And I don't even think he's finished as a wide receiver one in any season of his career. I could be wrong. You could fact check me on that. Oh, no. He finished as a wide receiver one in 2020. He finished as a wide receiver 12. Yeah, and and he was wide receiver five in points per game. He just missed a couple games. So he, he does have the elite ceiling, no doubt. But I agree, and I feel you. I think that his, uh, that his floor is probably the lowest of anybody in this group. I think he's a fade, personally, but... He, he definitely could be. He definitely could be. I just, I want to be in on the Eagles this year. I, I don't know why. I just, I want to. I think that him and Jalen Hurts could absolutely uh, be like the stack that you need to, to ship something in week 17. One of the highest ceiling yeah. stacks out there. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm on the, the total opposite end of the spectrum. I think you will not need that at all. It's possible. We will find out as the season plays out joe you have t higgins as your wide receiver 10 above aj brown above some guys that i have ranked above him like mike williams 
you are pretty much in line with ADP with T. Higgins as the wide receiver 10. That's where he's going in ADP. It's hard for me to put him there partly because I envision a world where the split between him and Jamar Chase is less even than it was last year and more goes to Chase. I think that that's possible. I think it's likely. But T. Higgins is still a great wide receiver in his own right, attached to a great quarterback and, you know, has all the positives working for him that we said for Chase in as as well. You know. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a very similar argument. I think the Bengals are going to pass more Joe Burrow two years removed from his ACL. Now, I just think that the targets are just going to funnel through Jamar Chase and T Higgins, and obviously at the end of last season, T Higgins had a couple monster games and. You know, they were very similar in terms of Whopper. Jamar Chase was at 60.97%. T. Higgins was right there at 59.06%. You personally believe that that could widen even further, and I definitely agree that it can. But I think T. Higgins is also too good enough to not get the ball to. You get Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, he's one of the best, like, contested catch wide receivers he's overall just a very very talented wide receiver and kind of gets overshadowed now by Jamar Chase but they both can play they both can ball for that reason I have him above like you said AJ Brown and some other guys and overall I just think this Bengals passing offense could take a step forward this season and the ball is just going to go to Jamar Chase and T Higgins at the end of the day yeah Absolutely. I definitely don't see him finishing much lower than, you know, top 12. So I'm, I'm totally there with you. I've been taking a decent amount of T Higgins, just trying to mix, mix up my exposure there. After Higgins at 10, you've got Mike Williams. So a couple spots lower than I do, but you are still above market on Mike Williams. We've already talked about him. AJ Brown for you at 12. Keenan Allen at 13, who I have ranked at 12 in the same range as T Higgins. You know, is Keenan and still regarded as the wide receiver one. I mean, I think, you know, we made the case for Mike Williams potentially taking that leap. He's going one spot ahead of Mike Williams on underdog. That's how it's been the past couple of years. Does he have it in him to be the Chargers wide receiver one over Mike Will this season? Is that in his range? I mean, duh. Is it? (laughs) Obviously. Keenan Allen is just a better wide receiver than Mike Williams at the end of the day. Like, obviously, his yards per route run has declined over the last few years and whatnot, and he's getting up there in age. He, You know, he turned 30. He's That's a safer wide receiver. Is he a better wide receiver? More talented, absolutely. Hmm. That's not even a question. Hmm. Ask anybody. But, yeah, I mean, for the same arguments for Mike Williams, beside for Keenan Allen, Justin Harbour is projected to uh, lead the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns, and they – are one of the most pass-heavy offenses in the NFL, and he plays in the slot, favorable position on the football field, and you know he, he's going to catch 100-plus balls and, and get you probably 1,100-plus receiving yards and, and some touchdowns to go along. So he's a, he's a good pick. Man, I, I really, I really want to argue with you about who, who's a better player, but I, I'll let you have this. I'll let you have this. I mean, Keenan Allen is just a target earner, which I think – just overall place into your talent at the position is your ability to earn targets. And over the last five years, he hasn't had a season with less than 137 targets. Yeah, I mean, he, but his yards per reception is, you know, Mike Williams has four seasons better than Keenan's ever had. You know, he's just a low, like he's a low depth of target player. He's totally reliable. He's going to get open and get catches, but he's not going to, you know, wow you with monster plays either. He's just yeah. consistent. Yeah, consistency is key. Consistency is key. True. 
I'm just a fiend. I'm, I'm, a, not... I'm a fiend for upside, bro. I don't care. I just want, I want the upside, bro. I'm, I'm addicted to it. <laughs> Give me that ceiling. It's all I want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I love Mike Williams. He's like my high zone wide receiver. Mm. Love that. All right. Wide receivers 14 through 16. We have the same guys in a different order. It's a really exciting tier, in my opinion. These are really hyper-talented guys. I think that somebody from this group has the potential to emerge as a surefire wide receiver one, somebody that we're taking in round two next year. I don't know which of these guys that is. Maybe you have a take. DJ Moore, Michael Pittman, Hollywood Brown, who stands out to you most in this group of players? Yeah, I mean, DJ Moore specifically. Yeah, I think um, that's the one. He finished top six in the NFL in targets last year with Sam Darnold and PJ Walker and Cam Newton throwing him the ball. Then you get, you know, that hypothetical upgrade at quarterback with Baker Mayfield. And DJ Moore, in my opinion, is just one of the most talented wide receivers in the NFL that's kind of been plagued by bad situation. And this is probably his best situation of his career and you know Baker wasn't bad prior to a shoulder injury last year so if we get that Baker Mayfield I think DJ Moore definitely has a ton of upside for 2022 he is honestly just very good 71% whopper last year 28% target share uh, 41% air yard share top four in the NFL just behind you know AJ Brown Justin Jefferson Terry McLaurin and I think just out of these guys he's the guy that could push you know like a 30% target share in my opinion at least and ultimately that's kind of what I want is to target these wide receivers that can push 25 to 30% target shares and I and I definitely think that Pittman and Hollywood can especially Hollywood early in the season but over the course of the entire year DJ Moore is probably the best bet out of these guys and you know that's how I have it ranked. Yeah, see that's the that's the thing with with Hollywood Brown. Like I think that over the first 6 weeks of the season, he's going to fucking snap. Yeah. I mean, Hollywood is is going to be like a top five wide receiver. I, I honestly believe that for the first six weeks yeah. of the season. So it's like, how much do you value that when I think I prefer more in Pittman to him, you know, over the course of the year, but he, the spike weeks that he has the potential to put up early and just give you a nice lead in these tournaments is really phenomenal. So it, it's hard to figure out how to gauge that. But I mean, Hollywood Brown is going to be clear cut Kyler Murray's number one option until DeAndre Hopkins returns. Still will have a good role after, but they really have nobody to compete with targets outside of, you know, the corpse of AJ Green. You know, Rondale Moore, who's like four foot six. Yeah, like I said, I think Hollywood Brown is going to absolutely snap the first six weeks of the year. Uh, you know, he could be a 25, 30% target share guy. Obviously one of the best deep threats in the league and attached to Kyler Murray, his college quarterback in a better more favorable system going from Baltimore to Arizona I think he's a great pick uh, for this first six weeks obviously when DeAndre Hopkins comes back he becomes the wide receiver two on the offense but I think the overall offensive efficiency when DeAndre Hopkins comes back will improve and I think that will help Hollywood and he'll he still will be able to have multiple spike weeks, even with D-Hop being the alpha in that offense. So I still think he's a very, very good pick. He's one of my highest owned wide receivers in best ball, and I find myself drafting him a ton in the fourth round. Yep, I, I love getting as much exposure as possible. And then Michael Pittman, I mean, he's really just in a good spot. You know, there, there's no competition for targets from weeks 13 through 18 last year. He had a 31% target share. They've 
done very little, I think, to surround him with any like legitimate competition. They did bring in Alec Pierce. Paris Campbell is healthy for now. But Pittman is clear-cut established as the wide receiver one for Matt Ryan. They have a good offensive line. He had a pretty good breakout, you know, considering he's about to go into his third year. He more than doubled his production from his rookie season and is now playing with the best quarterback that he's ever had. So Pittman, you know, surefire wide receiver two with the potential, I think, to elevate if his touchdowns go up. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. He can be, you know, that wide receiver that's going to have a 25 to 30% target share. And that's obviously very valuable. So I think after these three guys, there there's a teardrop for me, at least. Mm-hmm. And Michael Pittman was uh, pretty good last year. He was fourth in in route win percentage in the entire NFL. So he he was winning on his routes. Obviously, Carson Wentz was throwing him the ball. That kind of uh, hindered his production. But he was 14th in targets, 14th in, in target share with 25.7%. And I, I think that he's probably a good bet this year to uh, make a third-year leap. Same thing with uh, C.D. Lamb. Yep, definitely agree with that. You have Jalen Waddle ranked after this grouping as your wide receiver 17. I kind of already gave my take on this situation where I think that there's some people out there who look at this like a 1A, 1B situation with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. And, and I look at it more as a clear cut. Tyreek Hill is one. Jalen Waddell is two. And I'm, I'm pretty worried about Waddell, to be honest with you. I think he has a decent floor, but I don't know if those ceiling games are going to be there anymore with Tyreek Hill. He needed to be top 12 in the NFL in targets to finish as wide receiver 15 in points per game, full PPR. Those targets are coming down. He had a 22% target share, but he was targeted on 24% of his routes run. And I think that that is what comes down with Tyreek Hill out there. I think he'll still have a good target share in that offense. I just don't think he's going to get targeted as frequently with Tyreek Hill commanding the alpha treatment there. And Waddle's a guy who needs the volume to get there. He probably finishes in this range, but I just don't know specifically for best ball what those spike weeks are going to look like and if they're even going to look like anything for him. Yeah. No, I definitely, I definitely hear you um, with the, with the concerns, and I I just think that it's well within the range that Jalen Waddle out catches Tyree Kill this year just from the role that he plays on the offense, kind of being that slot low A dot receiver. So I made my rankings based off like PPR, but if you're drafting on like underdog, yeah, Jalen Waddle isn't a, a target for me on half PPR where the catches just aren't weighted that much. Like I personally still believe Jalen Waddle will be you know, a hundred catch player with Tyreek Hill there. But will the ceiling games be there? Who knows? He still is a player that has very good speed. He has that big play upside. He was kind of dealing with an injury last year, right? He was dealing with like an ankle injury or at least coming off an ankle injury. And he was very successful on the routes that he ran. He was uh, seventh in his route win percentage and you know but it it all comes down to Tua for me that's what it comes down to with these Dolphins wide receivers will Tua take that step forward and will this offense be put into Tua's hands to go out and win them games if it is then okay I could be a little bit higher on Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle but if it's not and they try and shelter and hide Tua and kind of run it very similar to how the 49ers ran it with Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously, we know he's coming from San Francisco. How can we be high on any of these guys as a consistent weekly option, especially with like redraft coming around the, the corner here shortly? Mm-hmm. And 
the, the the ceiling games can definitely be affected like that too if they aren't creating different ways to get these guys the ball. Yeah, Tua is absolutely the uh, he's X the factor. Key. Um, I've it's, been higher the, on him the key. than you. Yeah, no. He's the key to the Dolphins' success this year. They have the players around him, but will he become the quarterback he was meant to be coming out of Alabama, which he hasn't been his first two years? Can he make that leap? Tyree Kill thinks he can. <laughs> Fair enough. Cortland Sutton. I've got him ranked at 17. You've got him ranked at 18. I think that out of all of these guys inside of the top 20, top 24, Cortland Sutton probably has the highest bust potential out of out of any of these guys. You know, there are so many different ways I could see this Denver passing game operating. I think it's very easy to envision Cortland Sutton being Russell Wilson's new DK Metcalf. I also think it's really easy to envision targets being really spread out in this offense and this offense being once again relatively run heavy even with Wilson being there um just obviously more efficient so I I don't know how to rank Sutton I I like his upside more than Jerry Judy that's why I've got him ranked significantly higher and and the market agrees on underdog Cortland Sutton is going as the wide receiver 17 Judy as the wide receiver 22 so the market is in line with Sutton over Judy Sutton being the primary option option for Russell Wilson. I just don't know what to make of him. I think that the range is incredibly wide with with Cortland Sutton. Yeah, I definitely think that the range is is wide. Um, I think I would agree that Sutton is probably the wide receiver one on that offense and Judy the wide receiver two. And obviously the market kind of agrees with that as well. I don't know. I, I, I don't really know how to feel about Sutton. I think he's a good player. And I want to be higher on this Broncos offense than than most, especially with Russ coming there. But, you know, we just haven't seen it out of these guys. And I think that's kind of like giving us that bias against them mm-hmm. is, you know, they really haven't performed in, you know, a, a year or two now, both of them, Jerry, Judy and Cortland Sutton. So I think that's kind of given us uh, a little pause. But personally, I do want to be a little bit higher on the Broncos guys than than the uh, consensus. Yep, we're both pretty in line with them uh, at, at this point. Next up, we've got Terry McLaurin, Scary Terry, a guy that I really want to be high on just from a talent perspective. I think he's absolutely top tier. He had a down year last year. The quarterback play in Washington has been horrific. You know, he's one of those guys who's been plagued by terrible quarterback play his entire career, but the opportunity was was absolutely there. He was fourth in air yards last year. He just needs Wentz to be good enough, a big enough upgrade on Heineke to get him the ball to actually let him realize some of that upside is Wentz good enough to do that for Terry I mean he's definitely an upgrade he's definitely the best quarterback that Terry has had in his career and you know very similar to DJ Moore these are these are guys you could argue are like top 10 top 12 talents at the position yeah in the entire NFL just from a a prospect profile standpoint Mm -hmm. both of them have been plagued by mediocre coaching and mediocre quarterbacks you know it's really no different for both DJ Moore and Terry McLaurin but I personally do believe that Terry McLaurin is you know an alpha wide receiver one is his profile is obviously off the fucking charts he's a great wide receiver commands targets you know he's going to be a 25 30 percent target share guy so I definitely still draft Terry McLaurin just because I, f- I feel like you're 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 really not going to get any 25 plus percent target share guys from this point on in drafts but 
the upside and, and the ceiling and the touchdowns could definitely be limited just by the overall incompetence of his offense. Yeah, and uh, only 11 red zone targets, which was 71st in the NFL last year. So that's the other thing. It's just that the way that that offense runs is when they get into scoring position, they're like throwing to their tight ends or they're trying to hammer it in with Antonio Gibson. I think that could definitely be a problem for Terry in terms of fantasy. He's just never going to get those short range touchdown opportunities. Um, We've seen that play out for his career up to this point maybe things change i just don't really have any expectation that they do so him and more to me yeah that, that's a great comparison they're just you know absolutely electric elite talents but you know they they don't have the quarterbacks to sustain them it's kind of sad you know like these guys get drafted to like the chargers or the chiefs and we're looking at them in totally different ways you know yeah No, I I totally agree. All right, we'll close out the show here with a guy that we both have ranked at wide receiver 20. And, you know, he's kind of the the OG of that category, if you will. You know, this is the original guy who's been just dripping with talent for year after year and has never had the quarterback that he's needed to elevate him until now, Joey. Allen Robinson goes to LA, gets to play with Cooper Cup in this offense, gets to catch passes from Matthew Stafford, who we've already said this very podcast episode is an elevator for the players around him. We're both in on an Allen Robinson year in the Rams offense. We're ahead of consensus. He's the wide receiver 23 on underdog. Both of our wide receiver 20s give us the Allen Robinson case. Yeah, I just think Allen Robinson is a very talented wide receiver that is going to be in the best situation of his career with Matt Stafford throwing him the football now on one of the best offenses in the league with one of the best coaching staffs in the league and I just want to be high on a player like that obviously we we've seen him have monster seasons before and the consensus isn't taking into account his 2021 at all and I don't think we are either at the end of the day I think he's just one of the most talented wide receivers in the league and he's in a great situation it's really that simple for me when it comes to a Rob all right yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. I, I want to be in on Allen Robinson this season. Going to continue to take shots on him. And I think that we can stop it here, take a little break. We'll be back on Wednesday with the next 20 or so wide receivers to discuss. If you guys want to check out any of the other rankings we've done, we have podcast shows all over this feed discussing them. And that is going to be it for episode 232 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover, Joey's at Joey Carey and DFS. If you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on in the podcast or join our inner circle, The link to do so is via our free Discord channel. You can find that in the show notes to the podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable. Keep it authentic.